That song has always been a favorite of mine. And I guess it took my voice away there. I had to quit singing. The first couple of verses speak of of this world and the wonders of our natural world and how it causes the the believer especially, maybe even unbelievers can can think of the size and the power of our God through the wonders of any any part of the natural world, a drop of water or a blade of grass to the mountains and the oceans and all those things. And then the next two verses go into the deeper side and the more important side of of why we praise God, most important. And that's that God didn't spare his son, but he sent him to live and to die and to live again that that we could inherit eternal life. I think if I was just just sit down that that song would be enough of a sermon for the day. That's what came to me when I was sitting there singing and then I had to stop. So for a text this morning we'll read from the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it's the story of, of how it was after Jesus rose from the dead. So I'll read from 24th chapter of Luke, reading from the 28th verse through to the end of the chapter, the 53rd verse. That's Luke chapter 28, verses 30 to 53, reading these words in Jesus' name, or pardon me, 28 to 53. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake, and gave it. And gave to them, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened unto us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled and why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for the spirit, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words, words which I, which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of those things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high." And he led them out as far as, as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them. 
and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Amen. Greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be multiplied to each one gathered here, now and forever. Amen. I know I refer to this portion of scripture often, this, this first part that I read. It's so good <coughs> to know that <coughs> we have a, a risen Savior. The, the first part of the chapter speaks of, of the ladies coming to the, to the tomb and, and, and different texts worded a little differently but it seems that they came came to the tomb bringing things to embalm the body of Jesus uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had hastily prepared the body Friday night and and because of because time was passing and darkness was coming and, and the old Jewish laws and they they prepared the body we might say quickly and, and weren't able to do all the things they wanted to anoint him and, and uh, with with ointments and spices it says and 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 so these ladies were coming to to do a little more thorough job of of his his burying and his leaving this world I often think of <clears throat> how it must have been that these people and it's expressed by these two disciples these are not part of the part of the 11 disciples the word tells us about but they're followers of Jesus and and they were walking along and sad and long-faced and Speaking of the events that had taken place, first, first of all, though, I'll, I'll just say a few words about how how when the ladies came there, they looked in and 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 of course Jesus' body was gone, and there were these these clothes or, or linens that he had been wrapped in and for his burial, and they saw two angels in inside this place we call the tomb or the sepulcher <coughs> and the place where Jesus had lain was empty and it says it came to pass they were much perplexed thereabout. behold two men stood by them in shining garments and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth they said unto them why seek ye the living among the dead he is not here he is risen Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So Jesus tells them in different places that this would happen, that, that these words that he spoke of his forthcoming death and suffer, suffering and death and resurrection they it, it's it's like it was a it was a blur to them in their minds they they couldn't understand they didn't understand they resisted by saying peter peter speaks and says this this won't happen to you that's the same peter that that jesus asked him a couple of different times whom do men say that i am and and another time he asked them that who do you say or both times he asked them, who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then there was that, were there thousands that, that left off following Jesus when they were offended at him? I think I mentioned that lately, how so many left him and he turns to his disciples and says, are you going to leave also? We know that Jesus stood alone and when when he did what he did and in the uh, 
in the providing of salvation for you and I and for, for all individuals. He stood alone. But he said, yet I am not alone because my Father is with me. So he asked the disciples, are, are you going to fall? Are you going to leave also? And I think it was Peter that answered that where would we turn to? Where would we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. He has no peers. We have to follow him. He's, he's the only one we can follow. And Peter realized this. And yet when Peter drew his sword to defend Jesus and and denied him three times, and there, there are some of these things that, that it says that all the disciples did, like like saying that they would they would never leave him and they would they would stand up for him and fight for him. Peter was a spokesman, but it, it says the, the word tells us that they all said that. They all put forth that idea and thought that this is what we'll do. And yet we see and I think we we sing about that in that song alone. Alone he drained the bitter cup. In the Garden of Gethsemane he his friends left him. They were confused and like I said their minds were probably in some kind of a blur. They had no no intentions of betraying their Lord and yet we have to say that ultimately that's what happened. So these two men are on their way from Jerusalem, I believe it is, to Emmaus, going away. Behold, two of them that went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all the things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Jesus is, is now in a, in a glorified state. I think the last time I stood here I talked about how Jesus coming into Jerusalem a week or so before prays to the Father, Father glorify thy name. And in glorifying the name of the Heavenly Father, Jesus gave his life. And, and, and God answers back this, this voice that it was, was thundering from heaven, some thought. And others thought that an angel was speaking from heaven. He calls out, I have both glorified it, and I will glorify it again. God has never been in that place where his name is anything but glorified. And and that might sound funny because we think that the world does not glorify God's name. But God will not be mocked. He tells us that. And whatever men do and say and show him all manner of dishonor and disrespect, the name is still not mocked. And we might, in our human thinking, that God gets even with them. He has no desire to do that. His greatest desire is that all men would come to believe. And he offers this salvation to people so that they can believe, so that we can believe. There's no desire to cause any man to stumble or cause any man any harm. So these two men are walking along, saddened by what had, what had happened, and, and Jesus just appears with them. It's it's something we don't understand, and I, and I, uh, we'll talk about that a little later here in the text. But we know how he, the word tells us he came through the the doors or the walls or came into the room where the disciples were gathered and and they had locked themselves in there against the Jews and the problems that had mounted over all the things that had taken place. What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another 
as you walk and are sad. And one of those, one of them whose name was Cleopas answered, answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? It seems as though they're saying you must be about the only one that doesn't know about all these things that have taken place. Jesus, of course, he's the centerpiece of all that has taken place. And he doesn't have to ask ask these questions, but, but he does. He asks them, what things... What is it you're talking about? He knew very well what they were talking about, but he wants to know what they're saying. Jesus knew, as as I mentioned before, what men thought of him. Some say that your your Isaiah come back, or your John the Baptist. Herod thought he was done. John the Baptist has come back to life, and, and different prophets. Jesus knew all these things. He wanted to know if his disciples. We're aware of of all the things. So he says, "What things? What things are you are you two talking about?" They said unto him, "Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel." We believed he was our savior. They left that testimony. You are the son of God. This this is the son of God. Even even that man standing there at the cross, he, he, he voiced that. Truly this was the son of God. I don't know if he was a believing man or not. Very likely was. He had that shown to him. Now he's dead. Now Jesus is gone. We saw him on the cross. We saw him suffering and dying and speaking those words in pain, in agony, calling out to the Father, why have you forsaken me? Then he gave up the ghost. They knew they, he was laid in the tomb. They, now they know that he's, he's not there anymore, but where is he? We trusted, it says, that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. We talked about that. When they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen an angel, a a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. He is not here, is the message. He is risen. This had never happened in the history of mankind, that someone rose from the dead like that. And it hasn't happened since, that someone rose from the dead like that. So these ladies had this message that he is risen, he is alive. We see that, I think it's in John that, that Mary comes there and, and she thought he was thought he was the gardener, thought he was a, a the groundskeeper in the cemetery, and he calls out her name and she recognized him as being Jesus, and he says, "Touch me not." So this is this is the morning of that day when these things are happening. Well, this is later on when the two men are walking to Emmaus. But it was in the morning that the ladies had, had gotten that message that he is alive and he is risen. And certain of them which were, which were with us went to the sepulcher and we know that was what, uh, Peter, Peter and John, I believe, they went there too. to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said but him they saw not and we know that some of those disciples took the message from those ladies as being some kind of a tale she was telling or they were telling telling stories but him they saw not Jesus 
speaks here, some very powerful words and words for all of us. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. These things have been written down by the prophets maybe a thousand years ago or more and you haven't believed them. You know, Isaiah speaks and all those prophets spoke of, of this Redeemer that would come. And it seems like this was clouding their mind and, and I, I wouldn't be any different. None of us would. But these, these events of of his suffering and dying and crucifixion and, and rising from the dead and all these things clouded their minds to the point they couldn't believe. Couldn't believe the prophets. Couldn't believe what Jesus had said, that he would have to suffer and die. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? We see that Jesus was glorified. The name of the Heavenly Father was glorified. And Jesus became a glorified being. When when the was it Peter and James and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and it says he became it says he was transfigured before them and his his face shone and his clothing was brilliantly white, like no fuller on earth could whiten them. You couldn't wash any material made by human hands and make it as white as it was, and bright and shining as it was when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. I believe it's similar to this it doesn't say that here. And I hope I'm not putting words in, but we, when he came back as a glorified being, it was more than natural what he was, and yet these people didn't recognize him. It doesn't say that he was bright and shining looking. They just thought this, this man had come along and, and started walking with them. But he was in a glorified state, as we see later. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. We might say this is nothing new. These people knew the scriptures. They knew what it said. But when Jesus confirmed these things, their hearts started coming to life. That sadness and that long-facedness that they were walking along with was changing. And it was getting late in the evening, you see. As As they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, he made as though he would have gone further. I believe there's even history written outside of this word that says that Jesus was was never tired enough that he wouldn't go further in a day. That physically he was like he was exhausted all the time. Those years he spent in this in this life and in this world. He always had time for more. Someone that might need him. So here he was in this glorified state and he made like he would go further. He was going to keep traveling and these men turned into their home and they constrained him or they begged him to stay. Stay with us for the night. So he he did. I mean, it, it appeared that he was going to He said, Abide for us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Gave to them. Well, we know in the the communion service, 
as as we're going to partake of today, <coughs> this bread. He says of it, of this bread that this this bread is is my body, and this blood is. And I can't even think of the word. Anyways, it's the, the blood of the New Testament. But we partake of this, and he broke bread on that that Last Supper, that that celebration of the Passover. He broke bread before them, and it says that when he did that in their presence, they they set some food in front of them, and apparently some of it was bread. And he took this bread and blessed it and broke it before them, and they recognized him. Until this time, they didn't know who this man was. They just thought he's a friend and, and he can spend the night with us and, and so forth. It says their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. So they were preparing to have something to eat and all of a sudden they realized this is Jesus himself. These messages we've been getting a little bit piece by piece are true and they're real. Their eyes were opened. Well, it doesn't say that they went along physically with their eyes shut so they couldn't see anything, but their understanding was opened and they realized who this is. This is not just another man. This is our Lord himself. And they said to one another, it doesn't say anything about them having anything to eat or whatever, but they may have, but it says, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. There was more than just the physical side of this. There was something taking place that that brought a life, giving, what do we say, food or stream into their into their hearts. So they didn't turn in like they were talking about. Their their company was gone. He disappeared out of their sight, just as he had appeared with them. It says they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And I just I, I think I've looked looked at it sometimes. How many miles? It's a, it's ten or fifteen miles. They, they, they didn't turn in for the night like they were going to and they had all intentions of doing. They rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven, eleven gathered there and them that were with them. So the, the eleven disciples were there and apparently there were, there were others there with the disciple, the Jesus' actual eleven disciples. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. So they just they just get to this place where these other people are gathered and they told what had happened, how this man had come along and walked with them and talked with them and came in the house with them and he had broken bread and we, we had it revealed to us who this is. This is our Lord and Savior. He is risen. He is alive and well. And they're just in the, I'd say, the middle of of telling these other people these things. And Jesus appears with them then. And we know that the different the different gospels have have it worded a little differently. In, in the one place I was reading this morning, it says that they were, they were all, uh, very happy and amazed about Jesus and, and knowing who he was and, and all these things. And here, here it says they were a bit troubled. But I think, I think there's probably a mix up of thoughts there because we're human and, and they were human and all the things that had taken place. But Jesus, it says, as they thus spake, these, these two men came in and they were speaking. It says, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said, peace be unto you. That's the message Jesus always brings to mankind. 
And we might think sometimes when, when Jesus is speaking or this word is speaking and doing its work in our heart that we have a, we have a warfare going on in our heart and, and a lack of peace, which is the case. But that's because the battle that's taking place is between right and wrong. And we have to deal with this, each one of us. Each one of us has those experiences where we have to deal with the wrong, we might say, that is in our hearts or lives. And when the right comes in, this peace comes with it. So Jesus says in in this uh, version of this story, why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. As I said, it's a mystery to know what kind of a form he was in. But I believe we will be in that glorified form when we, when we close our eyes to this life and, and as, as I will just put it, reach heaven's shore, we will be in that form. And we know that it tells us in, in the last of Revelations there that there will be no, no need for us to eat. There will no, no need for us to, to, uh, warm ourselves up or, or need light. The Lamb of God is all these things to us. He is everything to us. He will be. Here we still have to eat and sleep and we suffer heat and cold and we suffer uh, embarrassment and, and joy and all these things that come with this natural life. Jesus was not in this form anymore. It says they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. They thought they had seen some kind of an apparition. We call it today Why do thoughts arise in your heart, Jesus tells them. We don't know how many people were gathered there. There was the the eleven and then these two others and, and it says there were others there gathered with them. It must have been a... I don't know how else to say it. Maybe a kind of a jaw-dropping experience for every one of those people to see what they saw. Behold my hands and my feet. He shows them in his hands and his feet. And it has been said that this is the only thing, and I I agree with it, it's the only thing from this world that's going to be in heaven. It's those those testimonies, the hands and the feet, the nail holes and and the wound in his side that he tells Thomas eight days later, thrust your hand into my side. First of all, he tells Mary, the morning after, the morning he arises, don't touch me. And then this is the evening of that day. And he tells them, behold, or or look and see. That's what behold means. Behold my hands and my feet. It is, it is I myself. This is who I am. I'm back. I am risen. I am victorious over all wrongdoing. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And, and what, I, what I started saying was that 50 days later, when he ascended into heaven, nothing had changed, so he took those marks with him the nail holes in the pierced side. That seems to be the testimony that he tells them, it, this, this is who I am. Jordan mentioned how probably countless, countless people had died on crosses in the, in the Roman kingdom in that period of rule. 
Nobody else ever rose from that. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. I am alive and well. But he's not in, in the flesh as we are anymore. I think that's what that means. And when he had thus spoken, he shewed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye any, have ye here any meat? So that's another mystery how it was that he was able to come in and out of a locked room or, or just start walking with these men. And, and when they put something to eat before him, he just disappeared. And yet he says, I'm not a spirit, I'm not an apparition. A spirit hasn't got flesh and bones as you see me have. Some people don't believe in spirits or ghosts or these kind of things. I, th- I think they, they exist. I've never seen one and I'm thankful for that. But Jesus is not this. He's very real. He tells the people to handle him. He asks for something to eat. So he's a glorified Lord and Savior. And it says that he ate. He ate a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. They gave it to him and he ate it. I think it just shows us that he is with us and he is very real. And we can come to him and we can talk to him. And we do this as we have always believed according to the scriptures through our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that's where he dwells. He said, when he left, I won't leave you comfortless. I will send a comforter that Holy Spirit dwells in those that have been given faith to believe. Those that have been given faith to open their mouths and, and make that confession and leave that confession that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And a brother or sister in Christ can assure you with the laying on of hands and the proclaiming of the gospel. Their sins are forgiven. Jesus has died. There is remission for those sins. So he takes the fish and the honeycomb and he eats it. And he said unto them, These are the words which I, sp- which I spake unto you while I was w- yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. All these things, all the things were written of him, all the things were prophesied, are fulfilled, he says. It says, then opened he their understanding. We all need this. None of us have any understanding without the power of this word opening it. Jesus opens it to us. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. These are miracles in themselves. But the greatest miracle he speaks of is, he says, that repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name. This goes down, we might say, in our minds and hearts and history as the Great Commission. Every one of us has that commission. Everyone who has been touched by this word has that commission. And it's not a heavy thing to us that we would tell someone else what our Savior has done for us. A reference here. In Acts thirteen, thirty eight to forty one it says 
believe it's Paul speaking, it says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, speaking of Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. The word is a two-edged sword, we learn. And the law of Moses, or, or the Ten Commandment laws, I believe, make us aware that we're sinners. Don't worship other gods and all those things. Don't steal. Don't lie. And when we study those laws and put ourselves up against that law, we find that we're a sinner. I've broken this and I've broken that and I've broken them all. And as Paul says of his own experience, that, oh, wretched man that I am, This is after he became a believer. By him, all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law of Moses does not justify man. We could strive, and and people do, to fulfill this law. And as the Pharisees felt in themselves this this church that had gone dead by the time Jesus came into this natural world in the form of man. This church had been mostly dead. But these people were doing their level best to fulfill all the laws. And they were placing these things on others then that they couldn't fulfill themselves. Jesus reminds them of these things. How, How far they'd gone from truth. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in in the prophets. Behold, you despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. This message comes from the lips of sinners that we are, you and I. It's a miracle. But God can work a work in us. He can work a work in my heart and he can work that same work in your heart. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. They were curious about those words. These these words are alive. These words are life-giving. They're amazing words. That repentance and the remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Remember how Jesus said to stay in Jerusalem. It's in the next verse, or two here. And ye are witnesses of these things. You have witnessed this. You have been a part of this. This is the word that gives life. This is the word that sustains life as we go through this world. As as David calls it, the the valley of the shadow of death. Walking through this life. It gives us life. It gives us hope. It gives us encouragement when we, we can be down and out. We are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send... The promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Jesus breathes on them and says at, at this at this meeting with these men, people, he, he says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And he says, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And we go into Acts and we see then on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached that sermon. And it says they were pricked in their heart. We, we can, we can read that sermon that, that's recorded there and it, 
and I don't belittle it, but it, it seems like it's not enough. It seems like there's there's so much there, but but we'd think if if three thousand people were sitting there or more, and they were all touched in their heart to the point of repentance, just my natural mind says it, it had to be more of a powerful sermon than that. But God spoke the sermon. Peter was the mouthpiece. And these people believed. This is when they were endued with power from on high. And now we see their last few verses. We know that it was, I believe it was 50 days before Jesus actually ascended into heaven. But it, it, time, time just goes here from one verse to the end, for the, or to the other, and there's, there's 50 day lapse in here. But it says, He led them out as far as to Bethany, and He lifted up His hands and blessed them. This is the last blessing He physically gives the people. I was looking in in um, the Old Testament, and it's it's amazing, and I won't go into it a whole lot. In Deuteronomy, I think this is it. The top of one page it says the curses. For disobedience, and another page says the blessings of obedience. Think of Jesus blessing, blessing us, and God blessing man. And I think of of so many nations today in this modern world where we're supposed to be just on the brink of where everything's going to be perfect. These unbelieving people are saying, and we know the crime is, is running rampant and all these things. Here, here it says blessings in, the blessings for obedience. It's the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. It shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I commanded thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon me, come on thee, and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice, voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed be, shalt thou be in the city, blessed shalt thou be in the field, blessed shalt thou, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store, blessed shall thou be when thou camest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. It says here that Jesus blessed them. All these things, and there's, there's verses and verses and verses of them. And then it says here, just the opposite. The curses for disobedience. It shall come to pass, if thou wilt not, not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. If people really knew what it is to turn away from God, It says that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed shall be, shalt thou be in the city. Cursed thou shalt be in the field. Cursed shalt thou, shall be thy basket and thy store. Many of the same things here. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall be thou when thou camest, comest in or cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, rebuke in all that thou settest thine hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed and until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings. Thereby thou hast forsaken me. And it goes on and on and on. Verses and verses and verses. And we know that speaking of, of Israel today, The word teaches us that if we so much as lift a finger against Israel, 
God will curse us. And if we bless Israel, God will bless us. We see nations today that are not recognizing that Israel ever became a nation in 1948. And then we see nations that are all for the nation of Israel, trying to help them out. Those nations will be blessed. And these nations that are not recognizing and, and they have, they have every, every kind of soreness a man can come up with against Israel. These blessings and these cursings. We remember they all come from God. God says, I will bless. I will curse. Here we see that he blesses these people that watched him as he ascended up into heaven. He lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Their hearts were in, were in a good place. They knew their Savior. They saw him leave. They heard him say he will return one day. And we wait for that day. We wait for the great and glorious day, the song says, as many as love the Lord. May these things be something we can hang on to. And continue in, in faith, even until we're called home. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we close with a benediction? May the Lord bless us, bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen.